Hello, this is Frank Falvey with Frank Presents, and today it is my pleasure to have Chancellor Ed Auguster. Welcome, Ed. Thank you, Frank. Good to be with you. What is, what is you're the Chancellor uh, newly installed at Dean uh, College. That's right. Yeah. What is a Chancellor, Ed? It's a great question. So it's, I'm the first ever Chancellor of Dean College. Dean has had uh, 13 presidents before the recent investiture that you mentioned, uh, where Ken Elmore became the 14th president of Dean College, and I became the first chancellor of Dean College. And so chancellor is really another term for somebody who leads the organization. Uh, if you go to the UMass system and the different campuses, the Worcester campus or the Lowell campus, Dartmouth campus are run by chancellors. So it really is just another term for a leader of, of a college or university. Uh, and Ed, uh, what is your background in, uh, first of all, where did you grow up? I was born and raised in the city of Worcester uh, and um, went to college at Suffolk University in Boston, got an undergraduate degree in uh, political science and a minor in history. I went to Johns Hopkins University, uh, where I got a graduate degree uh, in public uh, administration. And I had a chance to do a lot of different things, mostly in public service and government. I was on the school committee in Worcester when I was just 23 years old. Uh, I had a chance to go to Washington after that, work for President Clinton in the U.S. Department of Education. Uh, then Jim McGovern, who's still a congressman from Massachusetts, used to be a congressman representing Franklin. I was his chief of staff for six years on Capitol Hill in Washington. Uh, then I came back to run for the Massachusetts State Senate, uh, which uh, I served uh, in the State Senate for a couple terms representing the Worcester uh, area. Uh, then went to work for the College of the Holy Cross uh, in Worcester, where I was the director of government and community relations. And then I got uh, asked to be the city manager of Worcester, which uh, is what I was doing just before I came to Dean. Uh, for the last eight and a half years. And as you know what uh, a town manager does here in Franklin, I just did it maybe at a larger scale. We're a city of about 210,000 people uh, in Worcester and everything from appointing all of the department heads to all the members of the boards and commissions there. They're not elected, they're appointed by the city manager and run the day-to-day -day operations. And at the same time I was there, I was also on the board of Dean College. So the last nine years I have been on the Board of Trustees there and, and really got to know the college and you know all of the senior uh, leadership there. Uh, and so when Paula decided, Paula Rooney decided she was going to retire after 27 years, I thought, you know, geez, this would be a great opportunity to continue to support an organization that I really love and, and respect what they do with the students that come to Dean College. So um, it was a great opportunity and excited to be here. What is the, uh, uh, first of all, I need to congratulate you on at being city manager of Worcester because you really transformed Worcester during the years that you were city manager. Uh, and uh, one of the highlights, obviously, is the uh, Woo Sox uh, in uh, Worcester. And uh, I believe they recently honored you. Yeah, they did. It was very nice. Uh, Larry Lacchino, who I had been negotiating with for about 18 months to get them to relocate from Pawtucket, where they had been for 50 years uh, as the AAA affiliate to the Boston Red Sox, 
there are 18 different cities across New England that we're trying to get them to move to the their location. And uh, Larry and I seemed to hit it off, and and it was a grinding <laughs> negotiation for 18 months. But uh, at the end of the day, we got it done. Uh, we have a developer who's developing a lot of the area around the ballpark to build housing, hotels, retail, lab buildings, uh, which is going to really expand the tax base in the city, which was really the goal of it. Uh, but the team was nice enough to name one of the suites um, for me, which was uh, you know, a real nice uh, gesture on their part. Yeah, yeah the area is, uh, first, first of all, it's Kelly Square, right? That's right. And uh, the restaurants there are uh, phenomenal, yep. along with Table Talk uh, Pies, yeah. <laughs> which have been an institution uh, in Massachusetts for years and years. You know, it's interesting. Table Talk Pies headquarters was right next to where the ballpark is. They manufacture about 100 million pies every year in Worcester. And I had worked with the owner, Harry Kikinis, when we first thought we were going to get the team to move to Worcester. I said, Harry, it might be tough to get those trailer trucks in and out, and the facility was kind of old. So we worked out a deal to relocate Table Talk to another part of Worcester. They built a brand new manufacturing facility, and then we were able to have them sell that uh, old factory building to Boston Capital, who were building housing on that site, which is adding to the density right around the ballpark, which is, is great because we need a lot of housing in the city of Worcester. Yeah, you really do. In the city, Worcester uh, is a very diverse, uh, it, it has a fairly significant uh, Latino or South American population. Yep. Uh, it's a city that is getting more and more diverse every year. Uh, it's always been a city of immigrants. When I grew up there, there were a lot of uh, neighborhoods and parishes that were Italian and you know, Lithuanian, Jewish neighborhoods, um, Swedish neighborhoods, and now they're neighborhoods that are Dominican and Vietnamese and, you know, uh, Ghanaian uh, from Africa. So it's still a, a city where a lot of people come from different parts of the world to kind of experience the American yeah. dream, yeah. Uh, just from, from different areas now. Dean College, uh, what is its beginnings? So it was founded by a, a, a doctor, uh, Dr. Oliver Dean, uh, who was part of the Universalist Church and uh, the real movement to try to create educational opportunities for people. And uh, he had done very well uh, in business. Uh, he was an entrepreneur. Uh, and he took that wealth and he reinvested it into the town of Franklin as well as into the future of the United States by creating Dean Academy uh, as a way for uh, young men and women uh, in 1865, and that's an important year, as you know, uh, it was the year yeah. that the Civil War ended, um, yeah. the year President Lincoln was assassinated. So it was a pivotal year in American history, but it was also the year that Dean Academy was founded. And young men and women had the opportunity to get education, uh, to prepare them for college, to prepare them for work. and. You know, over the years, Dean Academy kind of evolved into ultimately Dean Junior College, uh, where it was a two-year degree program. Then about 15 years ago, um, into a four-year degree program. And right now, about 95% of the students at Dean College are four-year um, bachelor degree seeking students. Dave Cargo, who taught math at uh, 
dean and was the chair of the math department back in the 1950s tells me that he had to spend some two nights a week <laughs> sleeping at the uh, uh, boys' uh, dormitory or whatever you want to call it. Uh, you were mentioning how they lived at that time. Can you tell the audience what it was like? Yeah, it was it was certainly much more formal kind of situation than people think about college. If any of your viewers uh, have taken their kids or their grandkids to college and see the kind of more laid back uh, atmosphere now in the 50s and the 40s and the 30s, I uh, was much more formal. Uh, what students would wear to classes was more formal. Uh, how folks ate, they sat down together at the same time with China uh, and they ate proper meals. Uh, they didn't just drift in out of the dining halls uh, whenever their schedule allowed. And you'd have faculty and in some cases what they called house mothers who would kind of oversee and make sure that everybody was doing what they were supposed to do and not doing what they weren't supposed to do uh, during the course of their you know, non-class hours. What are the students like that are now going to Dean? Can you kind of describe what a typical student body is today? Yeah, so we have about 1,100 students. Uh, they come from, I think it's 37 different states in, in the country, 11 different countries in the world. Uh, and they probably represent uh, the whole spectrum of uh, American and international students in the sense that um, about a third of them come from diverse backgrounds, so they're students of color. Uh, we have a number of students who identify as LGBTQ. Um, we have a number of students who, you know, are really motivated and maybe first came to us because of our athletic programs and are very athletically motivated. Uh, we have what we call it the ARCH program, which is a program that helps, helps students who may have different learning styles, different um, ways of processing information, uh, whether it be verbally, whether it be through writing. Um, and so sometimes they need some support, some coaching to help uh, them navigate that, those different learning styles. So we provide that kind of opportunity and we've got a lot of students who take advantage of that and really flourish because of those kind of supports that we provide. What What is a typical student week or life like? I mean, you have uh, what open dining, uh, and uh, what is the social life? Uh, are they staying in Franklin on the weekend, or are they going home? Yeah, so uh, more than ninety percent of our students uh, live on campus, uh, and about ten percent are commuters. Uh, we don't allow our students to live off campus unless they're living at home and commuting in. So students can't rent an apartment in town. Uh, and then just come to class like some colleges allow. And that, I think, helps provide not only more structure for our students, but also make sure that you know our students are spending their time, their off-campus time, off-class time on campus, making friends, hopefully doing you know, some of the athletic events and social events that we provide. Uh, you know uh, that we have a lot of dance students, a lot of performing arts students, so there's often performances happening on campus and auditions and practices and things of that nature for students who are involved in that. Um, and then we try to have a lot of social activities too for students who, 
you know, get to know uh, one another, really build those kind of friendships that often are lifelong friendships. Uh, right. People that you went to college with often form the nucleus of the network that you, you know, rely on for the rest of your life. So, um, and like students, like the average person have different interests. Some are jocks, uh, you know, some are more interested in reading and, you know, going to things that kind of expand their minds. Some are interested in just kind of hanging out and relaxing and trying to provide spaces for, you know, all those different types of activities on campus. What, what are the different degree programs uh, that the college offers? We have a pretty wide array. Uh, we have a number, a fairly growing number of students who are taking advantage of the business uh, degree program, the School of Business. Um, and within that School of Business, we've got a number of different uh, tracks, if you will. Sometimes students are interested in sports management. Uh, we have an exclusive partnership with the New England Patriots and the Craft Sports Group where our students get a chance to do internships and we have a lot of the executives as well as some of the players from the Patriots on campus. Uh, we have John Rook who of course is one of the announcers for the Patriots and he runs a sports broadcasting program where a lot of students are very interested in getting into the uh, you know play-by-play -play, sports broadcasting end of the sports business and they get a chance to do some real hands-on uh, learning as well as you know get on camera get on the radio uh, we have a radio station of course on campus and all those are opportunities for students to kind of get those skills and then we have your traditional liberal arts uh, tracks we have biology majors and English majors and history majors and uh, dance, uh, the arts, the performing arts, theater. Uh, so it's a, a pretty wide array. Men mentioning the arts program and the dance program, uh, you have performances uh, that are open to the public are, are year-round. But I've always kind of felt that how does how can you publicize that uh, better? Uh, I know, I mean, I know if you go into the Dean College and you look, you can find what it is. But it, it seems like that's a, a great opportunity for people in Franklin and the surrounding areas to see some nice, high-quality yep. uh, arts programming. Yeah, I think we have to keep thinking about ways to better get the word out. I just met uh, about a week ago with the folks at the Senior Center. And you know we're going to be trying to make sure we get posters and communications to them so they can let the seniors who use the senior center know about all of the upcoming performances as well as lectures. We often have some interesting speakers coming to campus, all of which are open to the public. We love to have folks from Franklin and the surrounding communities come. And we'll have Governor Dukakis coming on the 26th of um, uh, October, which is a great chance just before the elections to hear somebody who you know, was a presidential candidate and governor, you know, talk about the state of our democracy and hear what he has to say. So, yeah. um, you know, and I think we probably could partner with uh, the cable access as uh, well to kind of get the word out. And it's all free of charge. We want people to come to our campus and, and be part of our community because we want to be part of the Franklin community. Academically, um, how, you're educating students kind of for a specific profession or career, that may or may not ever happen. I mean, uh, I'm not sure how many people get degrees in something that really ever 
practice in that area. But the other, the question is, while you're educating them for that part of life, how are you educating them to think critically, to, to use their mind and uh, evaluate or use logic or, or assess uh, what's happening in, in society? It's a great question, and, and in my speech at the investiture this past Friday, I really talked about the importance of a liberal arts education, and we're a liberal arts college. Yes, you may be studying and majoring in business or theater or history, but you're going to be taking courses in all sorts of different subjects, some of which you might not you know, take if you didn't have to take them, uh, a philosophy class, a, a science class, a... Um, you know, a business class or something that may be outside your major, but giving you the opportunity to be a little bit better rounded, to be able to experience and hear different ideas because you're exactly right. We're not just creating future business people and future dancers, we're creating future citizens, uh, future members of communities, and we want people to take seriously their responsibilities of citizenship, their responsibilities as family members as part of a wider community and you really need to have those critical thinking skills because we can't give you every fact and piece of information you're going to need, right? The world is going to change over the next 40 years of your work life. But what we need to do is give you the tools to think critically, to ask good questions, to not just accept everything at face value, but not be cynical, but be skeptical. Ask those critical questions and think for yourself. And if we do that, we're going to make you a better business person. We're going to make you a better, you know, arts person, and we're going to make you a better citizen. Well, it seems one of the ways that you might be able to to teach that, or a couple of ways. One is the political ads on ballot questions. Okay, if you take and you take an ad and say what is the truth that they might not be saying about this ballot question. Yep. You know, uh, uh, ballot question one in Massachusetts, uh, uh, people saying the money is dedicated, uh, will be dedicated for schools and roads, which I think is true, abs absolutely uh, true. But the money that the legislature is already giving for schools and roads that money might not go away. So when you look at, at different uh, ways of uh, teaching, I, I, the other question I love if you're, someone's taking economics, you go out in the backyard, right, and you mow on the lawn, it's a hot and sweaty day, your neighbor's out mowing, you're both a third die and a thirst, your wife comes out and says, I have your favorite cold drink but I'm going to auction it off to either one of you, and I don't care which one gets. <laughs> you know, the question is, how high will you spend the money? Uh, so I, I hope that in, in, in teaching uh, critical thinking, that, that you, you, you pose ways of them to, be, to analyze, uh, you know, different aspects of life. Yeah, and I think one of the things we're anxious to do, too, is what they call community-based learning as well. So a lot of students, you may think back to the time in school, I remember my time in high school and college where I'd say, why am I learning this? I'm never going to use this information. It really is part of our, I think, obligation to try to 
allow students to understand why this course, why this subject area, why this material is going to be relevant to your mm -hmm. life. And by doing community-based learning, things in the community where maybe you're working with the town or with a community-based organization to solve a problem, a real-world problem, but taking maybe your math skills, your accounting skills, maybe your knowledge of history, maybe your communication skills, and you're helping solve that problem, you're using all sorts of different disciplines but you're also seeing the application in the real world. And when you can do that, I think students all of a sudden get it. Yes. You know, and they yeah. know why it's important. Yeah. Now, this is a funny question, but I went to college a long, long time ago, and basically I went to night school. And they used to have a blue book that you used to have to handwrite yep. your answers. How, do, how are students today examined or uh, how to test or what, what what typically is is uh, uh, the requirements to pass a course? Uh, how how are the students tested? So it really is at the discretion of the professor, and it's going to run the gamut. We still have professors who use blue books, so they have really? not completely gone out of fashion. Uh, sometimes they are writing or presenting a project, so we have. Now, a lot of courses that are requiring students to make a presentation. If you think about this, and I've, I've thought about this a lot, whenever I've had to give a speech or give a presentation to a group, I really learn the material and the subject a lot differently than if I just learned it and then took the test about it. If I had to repeat it to other people and explain it to other people, you absorb it very differently. So we have a lot of courses that require students to do presentations. Sometimes they're doing PowerPoint presentations. Sometimes they're doing video presentations. But it's a great way to really sh have the students show that they've understood the material, processed the material, and can articulate it back to an audience. Um, and then, of course, sometimes with our performing arts students or our dance students, they're doing performances. Uh, they're literally showing they they get those ballet steps or those tap steps or, or can do a, a, a singing performance or an acting performance, and that's how they're evaluated. To reiterate what you just said, we've had Tri-County uh, cooking students uh, come down here where we have a full uh, area that you can present a cooking show. And, and the best thing about that is what you just said. Now they have to explain and they have to present it. So and when they do that, the learning for them is really much higher. Absolutely. Uh, when, when you have to uh, talk about it. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's great. You, uh, as, as a uh, uh, college, have provided a lot to the town of Franklin. Uh, I know I attended uh, evening school there. Uh, some years ago, and you still offer uh, evening classes for uh, uh, residents and, and people that want to take it. That's right. We have a, what we call a School of Continuing Studies that has um, a varied schedules. So sometimes we have what they call intercession classes, which happen during the time between the end of the spring semester and the start of the fall. Uh, the end of the fall semester and the start of the spring semester, kind of over that holiday break where you can take over the course of a couple of weeks, you know, it's a much accelerated course, but you can get the full co college credits for that course. 
or night programs. Uh, we do have now some online programs too, so people can, you know, some that are at a set schedule and some that you can do at your own schedule because uh, they're pre-recorded and videos. Um, and it's a great way if you feel like, geez, I didn't finish my degree, but I, I got some credits and I want to chip away at it and get that degree. You've never gotten a degree and you want to do that. Or you just want to go and, and learn something new. You just want to expand your mind. You wanted to learn about art history or you know, the history of the Civil War or whatever it may be. It's a great way to feed your mind and, and stay kind of uh, intellectually engaged with the world. Uh, and it's right here in your town. So we try you know, to offer courses to uh, town employees as you know, a large institution in the city. And we've had a number of town employees come and get their degrees and take courses uh, at the expense of the college. The employees don't have to pay for that. Uh, we do have uh, courses that town members have taken and we want to look at expanding that. I mentioned we talked to the uh, senior center and we'd like to do like a lecture series at the senior center where maybe a different faculty member each month would talk about you know whatever's going on in psychology or history or some particular topic. Again, tr trying to share the resources we have on our campus with uh, our neighbors here in Franklin. I know uh, that <clears throat> With my Franklin Library card, I've always been able to use uh, the Dean Library. Yep. Uh, and is that still in effect? It is. Uh, we're part of a bigger consortium of uh, libraries. Some are college libraries, some are public libraries, where instead of being limited to whatever happens to be in the four walls of the Franklin Library or the Dean College Library, you literally have millions of items available to you. Uh, it may take a day for them to be delivered to the library from whatever location they are. Um, they call it CW Mars system. Um, but it is an amazing resource. You might be looking for a very obscure book or a DVD or a, a, a cassette of some kind, and you can get it because you've got this kind of consortium of library resources, and Dean's uh, part of that consortium. Does the Franklin Library uh Offer the dean students use of their library? They do, and, and uh, again, that's another thing. I had a chance to go tour the Franklin Library, which is just spectacular. I'm a library buff, uh, so I was out of my mind when I got a chance to see how beautiful just the space is there. Uh, the Ben Franklin collection is amazing, uh, and you know, the folks at the Franklin Library are so welcoming, and we have a lot of students who sometimes campus maybe is a little too busy and they need a quieter spot. Uh, they're really working on a project or preparing for an exam, uh, and the Franklin Library is a great resource for them to, and they they're ha always They have welcome. a number of quiet spots. Yeah. Do you know the story behind the books? I do, okay. yes. Uh, our professor, Rob Larson, told me about it, and I did have a chance to see the PBS uh, uh, show on Franklin that really talked about the history of the books and the yeah. connection with Ben Franklin and Horace Mann. So. Right. The, you always, always, as far as I know, offered scholarships uh, to uh, Franklin uh, High School and I believe to Tri-County. Can you explain the scholarships that you offer for local Franklin uh, residents? Yeah, we want to make sure that we've got uh, 
not only students coming from Australia and China and other places, but we want to have students right here from our, our home base uh, in Franklin. And, you know, we know college can be expensive, and so not everybody can shell out the full cost of an education. Uh, so we do have some scholarships that are really geared toward local Franklin uh, residents, Franklin High School students. Uh, many, many, many of our students do get scholarships uh, of different ranges depending on what their family's financial situation is. Do you have any idea what size endowment you have? So just before the latest downturn in the <laughs> stock market, we had hit almost the $70 million endowment. Uh, we're down, the last I checked, it was about $59 million, not because we had spent any of it, just because it's all invested in the stock markets and different funds. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but we're going to be patient with that money, and hopefully uh, once things kind of calm down, it'll go back up. But that really is important, you know, colleges and universities. It's, it's not a lot compared to the Harvards and the Yales that have multi-billions of dollars of endowments. Uh, but it's a lot compared to some of the smaller colleges and universities. And it's important because when you have things like COVID hit uh, and you can't have students on campus or you can't have as many students, if you don't have things like that, those endowments, uh, it can be really tricky. And I saw in Worcester with Becker College went out of business yeah. uh, because they only had a $5 million endowment uh, yeah. and it wasn't enough to kind of help them get through. And and there's new laws around if a college is in financial difficulty yeah. uh, that that all of a sudden they're not going to go out of business and leave the students high and dry. That's right. Mentioning COVID, uh, in one of the COVID uh, relief plans, there was a huge amount of money for colleges and universities. Uh, did Dean receive some of that money? We did, and our students did. So when the uh, one of the earlier uh, relief packages helped support colleges, because there would have been hundreds of colleges around the country that would have gone out of business had there not been some help, just like the airlines got help and restaurants got help and so many other businesses did. Colleges were in a similar situation because, you know, in our case, you're all hands-on. We have very little online courses, so it's really intensive right. in person. And when you can't do that because of the pandemic, uh, it really blew the model. And you had to spend money on PPE, you know, putting in new equipment so that we could get classes back up and running virtually, but you need additional equipment to do that. Uh, and then a lot of our students, uh, so some of that federal money went through us directly to the students. Uh, to help uh, reimburse them for some of the um, tuition that they had paid in the room and board that they had paid, which they weren't taking advantage of because they weren't here and they weren't eating in our dining hall during some of the height of the pandemic. So the federal government was a big help. Uh, I don't think we would have gotten through or with a lot of other colleges and universities. Had got through. The, um, you recently... Uh, had a meeting of neighbors uh, open to the public, and uh, I remember uh, soon, a couple of days after the college opened, I'm driving down uh, Union Street or the street next to Union, and the police are out in the morning, this was fairly early, giving parking tickets to uh, people parked on the street overnight. 
uh, and it was pretty close to one of your dormitories, mm -hmm. um, and uh, uh, which you know I always think, well, doesn't Dean tell the students before they arrive on campus <laughs> that yeah. that they, you know these tickets can be expensive? So, but in a, you addressed, uh, I gather, at this meeting, uh, the parking situation uh, that uh, Dean is in and the community is in. Yeah. So we started something called the Dean Neighborhood Alliance. Uh, and what we did is we went door to door uh, with uh, some of the streets around our campus. We invited neighbors to come. Uh, a lot of neighbors did come. We had a lot of local elected officials, town officials also participated. And I had done this when I was at Holy Cross, Director of Government and Community Relations there. And I thought it would work here as well. It just opened up the dialogue between the neighbors and the college so that, yes, when there's a problem or something that's not working right, you know each other and you figure out how to try to solve it or make it better. But also some of the stuff we were talking about earlier, all the great things happening on campus that we want the community to participate in and how to get the word out to them and talk about those opportunities. So. Um, it was a really a good chance to do that, and of course parking did come up because it is a, an ongoing issue, and we do tell our students what the rules are. Um, but if anybody out there has ever had an 18 to 22-year-old, uh, sometimes you have to tell them more than once. Um, and, you know, it's, it's an ongoing issue trying to get students to kind of follow the rules. We do not allow freshmen or very many sophomores to have uh, cars on campus because we don't have enough parking for all of them. And so sometimes students bring their cars, even though they're not supposed to, and try to park on some of the neighborhood streets. And we try to work closely with the town to kind of do enforcement. And you know, if a student or anyone else is breaking the parking rules of the town, they should get a fine, they should be held accountable. And, Usually that works to solve the problem. If they get enough tickets, they learn the hard way that I better stop doing that. And you know, so I think it's an ongoing part of the educational process. Uh, what about uh, sound? Is 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 sound or noise coming from the dormitories a problem, or is that? Honestly, I didn't hear uh, any issues from the neighbors about that. Okay. Um, they mentioned a few times maybe if a student's coming home, who's parking on the street, coming home late, maybe they hear the doors close or whatever, but not so much from the dorms. Um, so, so far so good on, on the noise front. And how is the security for the students? In other words, I know you have to report any uh, sexual uh, incident, uh, how has your reports been for the last few years? Uh, very good. We're required by the federal government to publish uh, our crime stats, if you will, from campus, including anything like sexual assaults, uh, which the federal government really wants colleges and universities to take very seriously, which we do. Uh, we recently published uh, that. It's available on our website. If you go to dean.edu, uh, uh, you can see uh, all the crime stats in the different categories. Uh, we share it with the town as well as put it on our website so that's publicly available. Uh, I'm happy to say that we're as low crime as the town of Franklin is, uh, so we're a mirror of our community in the sense that uh, 
I think our students are pretty well behaved and we do have 24 uh, hour security uh, on campus, uh, making sure that uh, it stays that way. Yeah. Dean Station, train station in downtown Franklin here. Uh, for a number of years I've been very upset that it's not handicapped accessible along with hundreds and thousands across the United States of America, bus stations, train stations, unhandicapped accessible, all because of a federal law that says you don't have to make something handicapped accessible unless you spend 25% in renovating the building. Uh, and you, you, as a college, must have a number of handicapped students that travel or use the commuter rail? Yeah, I mean, we certainly have students who have all sorts of um, mobility challenges, sometimes in a wheelchair. We have students who are blind. We have students who are hearing impaired. So, you know, a wide range of, um, you know, different uh, disabilities that students may have. So um, we want to make sure our campus, as well as the community that they're in, is accessible to them. They should have the right to be as fully part of the community, both on the campus and off campus as possible. The, the, you, you used to have at Dean a Korean education, I don't know if it was directly run by Dean, uh, to teach English. And so there were a number of uh, students, particularly uh, from uh, Asia, uh, or basically all from Asia, that were here learning. Uh, and a number of those uh, students went to different churches here in Franklin because of their religious background. Um, do, you, do you have foreign students that maybe uh, need particular services uh, or language? Uh, do you still work in, in, in trying to teach English or was that completely a different organization? My understanding is that's something that uh, the college doesn't do anymore. It used to be like a language uh, right. institute where students could come and get their English skills up so that they could then go and take classes. Um, I'm not sure the reason why, but they don't do that now. The uh, students that we have from different countries tend to have good enough language skills to be able to you know, do college level work. Uh, obviously the courses are taught in English and so if you don't have sufficient language skills, it's going to be hard to stay up with your biology class or your chemistry class or whatever it may be. So um, right now the students who uh, come from different parts of the world have good English skills. Uh, Ed, there, is a, uh, there was a write-up recently in the Franklin Observer. The Franklin Observer is a uh, you get via uh, email or in your uh, uh, morning uh, a mail every day, computer every day, uh, a, a, a news about what's happening in Franklin. Uh, and there was a recent article about your uh, induction. Uh, it, it's a very uh, fine article. I, I recommend... Uh, that if you can uh, go back and uh, look at th this uh, copy or article, it's excellent. Uh, but that 
is a way to learn uh, more about what's going on in, in Franklin. And it may be something that you want to uh, send news clips to or keep uh, updated uh, as, as they post uh, that information. Yeah, no, we definitely try to stay on top of what's going on in Franklin and look for ways to be involved ourselves. So we want to be part of the community. We want to be a resource to the community. And, you know, we take seriously our responsibility as, as a large uh, institution here to be a good neighbor. Thank you, Ed. Thank you, Ed Frank. Augustus, the chancellor of uh, Dean College. And I love when you, the, these red robes that people <laughs> wear when they are. <laughs> don't, don't confuse us with a cardinal. Yeah. <laughs> well, you mean the bird cardinal? The bird cardinal is one thing. The, the cardinal in the Catholic Church is another. So not to be confused. Because you, you, you went to high school of, uh, were they Jesuits that taught? Uh, uh, Zavarian Brothers at St. John's High School of Shrewsbury, yes. Uh, and I hope uh, this is one of many uh, times you'll be down here at the studio and uh, uh, maybe you want to even bring some of uh, your media students uh, down to, to take and, and have a tour. We'd love it. And yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to come chat with you, Frank, and your audience and, and look forward to doing it many more times in the future. Thank you. This program was made possible by your Franklin friends and neighbors. Good folks, just like you. Thanks for supporting Franklin TV. And thanks for watching.